This is a one of the most difficult periods in our nation's history and one of the most difficult periods that we have ever faced. Any person who says that one guy can't change the world never ate a bat in China. That is really today, we are reeling from the effects of one person. We are fearful and of going out and catching that particular sickness which has led to the death of so many people. We are fearful because of the racism which has made its, its way up to the bubbling top and has caused so many problems in the United States. We are fearful because of the high unemployment records and the hundreds and thousands of people around our country and indeed around the world who are wondering whether or not they'll be able to pay their rent or whether or not they'll, their job will be there in another two weeks. And this is the kind of fear that ought to remind us of exactly what's going on in the book of Daniel. Because the book of Daniel tells us what we ought to do when we fear. And so, let's read Daniel chapter 6, and we'll start reading in verse 10. There are lots of things that are important that come before verse 10 and lots of things that come after verse 10, after verse 24, but we'll read just this section, 10 through 24. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and a plea before his God. And then they came near and they said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, will be cast into a den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And then the king, when he heard these words, he was much distressed. And he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. And then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his place, and he found he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at the break of day, the king arose, and he went in haste to the den of lions. 
As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a loud tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no harm was found on him because he had trusted in God. And the king commanded that those men who maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. This was one of my favorite stories as a child going to Sunday school. I worried about a lot of things as a child going to Sunday school. I was never sure whether a comet was going to hit the earth and destroy us all. But one thing that I knew that if I ever got thrown into a den of lions, I had that down. I was okay. I didn't have to worry about that at all. And today, I want you to realize that you don't need to worry. And there's a reason that you don't need to worry. The reason you don't need to worry is because God is faithful. Because God is faithful, the true believer can trust him always. And I want you today to walk out of here knowing that whatever kind of problem that we face in the world, it is not outside the power of God. And because God is indeed faithful to all of us, we all can trust him all the time. And so I want to look at two times when Daniel trusted him and when we can trust him. The first is we should trust God when we face unfair treatment. Daniel faced unfair treatment. He was not placed into the lion's den because of something that he had done wrong. When I was younger, in undergraduate school, we used to go and preach at jails a lot. And one of the things that I found as I went to jails was that the vast majority of people shouldn't be there, if you ask them. Almost nobody says, yeah, I'm wicked and I deserve to be here. They never say that. They say it's been a terrible misunderstanding and I really didn't mean to shoot the gun at my wife. That was just an accident and I'm sure that this can be all worked out. Daniel wasn't that kind of a person. He was treated unfairly. He didn't deserve to be there. Why is it that these satraps treated Daniel unfairly? They treated Daniel unfairly, first of all, because they recognized his righteousness. You'll notice this in the second part of the fourth verse. They recognized that Daniel indeed was doing what he was commanded. He had risen through the ranks after being a young man brought out of his own homeland of Judah. He had risen through the ranks because of all the things that he had done right, because of his honesty and because of his wanting to do the right thing, because of his listening carefully to Jeremiah, 
Jeremiah who says in chapter 29, we must work for the peace and welfare of the city. You'll notice that there's a reason why these satraps wanted to find something wrong about Daniel. The reason was that there were a number of satraps who ruled over Persia. Then above the satraps were three presidents. And then apparently one of the three presidents was very, very important and reported to the king. And King uh, Darius was about ready to make Daniel that highest of all the highest of the presidents. And you see that in verse 4, it's the then. When they had heard about this, then the men went and tried to do all that they can. Tried to to get Daniel in trouble by lying about him. But we see, what was it that Daniel did? He was consistent. He was always faithful. He was committed. They found no error or fault in him. He was simply doing what he knew to be the right thing. So it was unfair because they recognized his righteousness and they didn't want to be compared to him. But it was unfair because they ravaged his reputation. He did not deserve to be treated unfairly like this. Now some politicians and others do deserve to be treated unfair, not unfairly, but deserve to be treated in the way that their life brings to them. I was listening to a podcast last week about David Duke. You remember David Duke, former Grand Wizard of the Klan, who through a variety of machinations ended up in a one-on-one bout with another person for the governorship of Louisiana. And there was a real chance that a former Grand Dragon of the Klan could become a governor of Louisiana. And this, his opponent was Edwin Edwards. And unfortunately, Edwards didn't, didn't stand as a shining light against David Duke's racism. Edwin Edwards had already faced jail time for using the money of the governorship illegally. And when he was in jail, he said, I shall be a model prisoner just as I have been a model citizen. And so here we have it, the the grand dragon of the Klan or the lizard who steals from the poor people of Louisiana. You have to vote for one of them. So someone came up with a bumper sticker and it said, vote for the crook, it's really important. And David Duke lost that election. In Daniel's case, we don't have to say, vote for the crook. He didn't deserve this. They ravaged his reputation. They ravaged it by conspiracy. You see that in verse 7. They get together and they go to King Darius and they say, listen, why don't you make this law? If you make this law, you can be God for a month. Everyone will have to pray to you. You might remember from years ago, I don't remember it, but I remember my mother talking to me about a a television show called Queen for a Day. And it was like these poor old haggard housewives would come on and tell about how awful their lives were. And the one who had the worst life got to be queen for a day. 
Here they are convincing Darius that he can be God for a month. He can be the one to whom people pray. And that was unfair. It was a conspiracy. It's a very clear conspiracy in this chapter. We know that sometimes conspiracies really do happen. And this is one of the chapters when they, all the satraps got together and they said, we've got to do something about this man, Daniel. Otherwise, he's going to force all of us to be honest. Otherwise, he's going to cut off all the political kickbacks and the gains that we have. We can't let a, an honest guy be in charge or we're all going to be in trouble. And so they gathered together and they said to King Darius, listen, this is what we need you to do. Sign a law that no one can pray to anyone but you. And so Darius, not really thinking the matter through, he signed that law. It was unfair. They ravaged his reputation by conspiracy and they ravaged his reputation by confusion. Darius didn't realize what he was doing. Darius didn't realize that there were a bunch of scheming people who had gathered together and trying to force him to to sign that into law. He just wasn't thinking. It's better to be believing than to be scheming. And that's what the book of Daniel teaches us. This sixth chapter is a chapter of liars, laws, and lions. It's not just that we should trust God when we face unfair treatment. It's also, secondly, that we should trust God when we face unique trials. Daniel is probably about 80 years old at this point. He's an old man. And yet, he's he's been conspired against. And they are ready to throw him down into the pit. These trials should cause a variety of things in our life. When we face unique trials, these trials should cause a bold confession. Notice that when Daniel hears about this law, he goes up to his second floor where the windows are open and he bows down and he prays toward Jerusalem just as he had always done. If it had been one of us, I'm afraid that we, we might have said, well, you know, it won't be so bad if I just close the windows before I pray today because I don't really want anybody to know. Or maybe if I just stand at my window praying, they'll think that I'm, I'm looking out at whatever traffic they had there in Persia. I'm looking out to see the people going on and maybe they won't know that I'm praying, but Daniel didn't do that. These trials caused a bold confession. Daniel didn't close the windows, and he got down on his knees and prayed in the same way that he had always done. These trials should cause quiet conviction. This is what was in the ancient world called trial by ordeal. You were thrown into a terrible situation, and if your God could save you, then that was a great thing. If he didn't, then you were in a lot of trouble. We notice that Daniel says, God sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions. It's impossible for me not to think of a little enigmatic verse in the first chapter of Mark. Mark doesn't tell us much about the temptation of Jesus. He tells us that Jesus was thrown out into the desert by the spirit and there he was tempted by the devil. Then after the temptation is over, he has this strange statement where he says, and he was with the wild beasts 
and the angels ministered to him. I think that what's going on there is that it's a, it's a very little tiny look into the new heaven and the new earth. In the new heaven and the new earth, we will not need to be afraid of lions. In the new heaven and the new earth, all the animals will do what we want them to do. Even, even the beagles, they'll do exactly what we want them to do. The chimps will not try to hurt us, even though they're three times stronger than, th than we are. We will be able to have chimp friends. I can't wait for that. And that's what's happening there. It says that Daniel, the angel came and closed the mouths of the lion. And Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, he was out in the deserted place. He was with the wild animals and the angels came and ministered to him. And we ourselves, when we face difficult trials in our life, can have the angels of God come and minister to us. These trials should cause a quiet conviction that even though it looks as if we are in difficult problems, we're really not. God is with us. That, after all, is the name that Jesus is given in the first chapter of Matthew. You shall call his name Emmanuel, for God is with us. Then what happens after Daniel is taken out? The trials not only cause quiet conviction, but the trials cause great condemnation. Darius says, all those people that have gotten into this conspiracy against Daniel, let them be thrown down into the pit with their wives and with their children. Daniel didn't, didn't ask for this, and Jewish law wouldn't have allowed it. A child couldn't be punished for the sins of his father. But in this area of Persia, they punished everyone so the king wouldn't have to be looking back making sure that someone's son was trying to kill him for killing his father. And when Darius sees all of this happen, after this great condemnation, an amazing thing happens in verse 26. In verse 26, Darius says, the God of Daniel really is the true God. The God of Daniel really is the one in whom we can trust. And so he sets out, and you'll see it for yourself there in verses 25 and 26. He says, for the, he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. This is the same Darius who was going to have people pray to him. He, through the testimony of Daniel, realizes who the real, true God is. It's impossible for us to look at this passage and not notice the parallels between Daniel and Jesus. Both were tested. Daniel didn't want to eat the food of Persia, so he ate only what was lawful, and he, it, it made him a great man. They looked at him, and they looked at those who were following the law of God, and they said, they are in better shape than the others who are eating what we eat. Jesus was tested in a variety of ways. Both amazed the elders. In Daniel 5, he tells what certain dreams mean. And he reads the writing on the wall. Remember, in Daniel 5 is where this hand comes up and it writes a message on the wall and no one can read it. No one understands what it says. And so they call for Daniel and he reads it and he amazes those who are around him. In the very same way, Jesus, when he is left at the temple, 
amazes the elders who have studied the law for all their lives, and yet Jesus at 12 years old is able to answer them better than, than they can. Both were trapped by godless men. We've seen here today the conspiracy that trapped Daniel. And all that we have to do is read the Gospels to understand that it was the same sort of conspiracy that trapped Jesus. It was those who didn't want to be faced with one who wasn't like them. Those who, they didn't want to be faced with one who didn't steal or use the, the system to gain something for themselves. They didn't want to be around a person like that. And so they trapped them. Both were sealed in a pit of death. Just like Jesus sealed in the tomb, Daniel was sealed in a pit of lions. Jesus is better than Daniel, though. He's better than Moses. He's better than Abraham. He's better than John the Baptist. Because Jesus is that one upon whom we depend when we face lion's dens in our own life. There was a guy named D.L. Moody. Some of you have heard of him. He was a very famous preacher in the 1800s. He spoke to more people than any other orator of his lifetime. There were such crowds when he started to preach that they had to give out tickets so that there wouldn't be a, a rush of people trying to get in and people being harmed by the crowd. One time D.L. Moody was coming back from England where he had been to see Charles Spurgeon, another great preacher of the 1800s. And he heard from his son that something had happened to the boat. He was traveling on an ocean liner. And the son ran up to the top and he said to his father, listen, the shaft is broken and we're going to sink out here in the middle of the ocean. And slowly they did start to sink. And so Moody asked if he could hold a service on the boat that was slowly sinking. And he had to hold on to one pole because the, the deck was listing to one side. And at that service, he read from Psalm 91. Psalm 91 says, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the snake. The serpent you will trample underfoot. Not long after, another liner saw their distress signal and came to rescue Moody and everyone else who was aboard. The interesting thing that we can close with today is the realization that there's another kind of lion in the New Testament. The lion that is going to eat people in Persia changes to a symbol for God in the New Testament. It actually changes into a symbol for Christ. This, this enigmatic man who is both the lion and the lamb. John on the Isle of Patmos, as he is writing the book of Revelation, has some wonderful words to say about this one who was the lion and the lamb. He says, Then I saw the right hand of him who was seated on the scroll, within, on the back, and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the seal and to break its seals? No one 
in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open up the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out onto the earth. And he went... And he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And I looked and I heard around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So when any of us face difficult trials in our life, we know that we have a Lamb who is there for us. When we worry about our finances or our health or our job, whatever the case may be, we have a lamb who protects us just as the angel protected Daniel. And so I close with the words of Martin Luther. In that great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, he says, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Go out and allow the truth of God to triumph through you, no matter what kind of trials that you face.